significantly greater sexual enhancement, including uh, frequency um, of intimate activities, they call it, reliability of the function, obviously getting an erection, all that sort of stuff, yeah. and the duration, and the participant's satisfaction. Welcome back to the In-Situ Health and Fitness Podcast. We have helped hundreds of people reach their goals. And this podcast is a chat about the journey along the way, teachable moments and topics we think will help you reach your goals as well. If we haven't met before, my name is Jack, I'm the PT, and joining me is my partner, Mac. She is the nutrition coach and soon-to-be psychologist. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Friday show. Uh, Merry Christmas to start with. Uh, what, have we got two days of Christmas? Yep. Two days, Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Obviously, we won't talk to you again before Christmas because it is Friday. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a guest in on Tuesday. It's just that time of the year where everybody is super busy. And the guests I want to get on the show have just got families and work and stuff going on. So I, they did tell me that they will come in for the interview after Christmas. So make sure you're subscribed, follow, whatever you do with podcasts. But as well, if you are new here or if you haven't, please would love you if you gave us a five-star review and a positive comment wherever you listen to this podcast and just send this podcast to one other friend. We've got some amazing things coming up next year with this podcast, including a new studio, lots of good things coming your way. We want to really upgrade this podcast again next year. So that's all coming. So we want as many ear holes on this podcast as possible. You. <laughs> Well, it can't be eyeballs, so ear holes. Um, and we can't do that without your help. I know a lot of you have been giving us the five-star review and a positive comment, and I do appreciate them all. I do read them all. Um, but if you haven't, I would appreciate it if you do. Or if you're new here, please just go give us, it take two seconds to give us a five-star review and literally just share it with one other person, just friend, family member, mum, dad, brother, sister, cousin. You're going to see them all over Christmas, so... Give them the gift of this podcast. Doesn't cost a thing. Pretty good gift. But you get a bit, a lot in return. All right, I'll stop talking about that sort of stuff. I've got two, um, what do you call them? Topics. Topics, studies. Two studies okay. I want to okay. talk about that I've come across during the week. One is about sex mm -hmm. and one is about, well, this, this study proved me wrong. So this was a, Thing that I always thought I was right on and I held in a strong belief, but this study proved that I was wrong about it in an interesting way. Okay. What do you want? Where do you want to go first? Sex or me being wrong? Oh, so they're two separate things. Two separate things. Okay, start, start from the top. All right, sex. So here's the title of this, or uh, a little bit from this study. So this study um, shows that sexual behavior in men participating in exercise for about 60 minutes a day, three to five times a week. But this is the interesting part we'll, we'll dive into. They only go to a 75 to 80% maximum effort each session. So they're training from three to five times a week, but they're only pushing to 80%. Okay, so they're, they're the particip participants? Yep. 
um, they develop a significantly, significantly greater sexual enhancement, including uh, frequency um, of intimate activities, they call it, reliability of the function, obviously getting an erection, all that sort of stuff, yeah. and the duration, and the participant's satisfaction. So basically... You become Exercise makes sex better. For everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did dive into it. I, I thought this is a good topic because a lot of we do talk about resistance training and how hard to push and the benefits of it and all that sort of stuff. So I thought this study was just a great example. But if you do the right stuff, you're going to become better at sex. But to become better at sex, your body needs to function very... Optimally. Optimally. So... Our bodies are basically just a massive chemical set of... Our bodies are just a big sack of chemicals reacting and exercise, the right exercise, does help with that. So they actually say, like, compare cardio to weightlifting and weightlifting beats cardio. So another reason why you should do resistance training rather than cardio, because you, you'll be better at sex. Cardio is just... If you're looking for another motivator, I guess. <laughs> If you're looking for another motivator not to do cardio, um, your sex drive and just your sex abilities will get better. Um, yeah, so basically- So in men, you said? Yeah, so, yeah. but the men are performing better in sex, so the partner is more satisfied. Satisfied. Satis and has better, they have better orgasms as well. Do, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But did you know that also, um, similar thing for women as well. But I read a study ages ago now, probably would have been 12 months ago, about how training your abs in particular, I guess because it's related to training like your pelvic floor, mm. can help. I think it could increase the odds of a woman having an orgasm by like 78 or 87% yeah. by just like training your abs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'd just say there's little, obviously little caveats in there that we'll dive into with this study as well about actual training. So I was actually having this thought yesterday when I was doing some abs and when it comes to ab training, you need to make it look very pretty. So if you, I, I sort of, sort of. That's sarcasm, right? No. So if you look at gymnasts, gymnasts have probably oh, got the yeah. best cause the best core control, the best strength, like, and they look very pretty when they perform. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, that's what they have to do. Guys, girls, they have to do it to perfection. So it looks very pleasing when they do it. So if you take that into your own training when you do, you're doing cores, and you try and make your core exercises look the prettiest, the best pleasing exercises that you can possibly do. So that's perfection with your form and everything else you get better core results. Mm -hmm. So everybody trying to get those nice looking abs, if you do it to perfection, you will get better results. I just noticed that when I see other people just doing like Russian twists and they're just flopping all over the place. Mm. Flopping all over the place isn't really working. Yes, you're doing a movement, but it's not actually doing anything. So if you did a Russian twist where your knees are squeezed together, your knees aren't moving, your torso is the only thing that's moving and it's looking very nice and pretty, you're going to get better results than just flopping all over the place. Yeah. Um, 
what were we talking about? Exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so back to this study. So like the study said, these guys, the study was done on guys doing three to five days a week. So obviously, and a lot of people go, well, I'll just jump in and do five mm. days a week. But they also say overtraining does decrease it quite a lot, like uh, massively. That's one of the biggest things that will drive it down. It's almost worse than not doing anything at all. So oh, if you're new to resistance training and yes, you want to become better at sex, I'd say start with three days a week and build up from there. I say that to all my clients. Like I don't even train five days a week and I'm getting great results mm. and I think I'm really good at sex because of that. <laughs> um, but they only push to 75 to 80% of their um, intensity maximum. Yeah. So, so it's not like a high intensity workout. It's literally just weightlifting. Well, well even if you're doing, say, a back squat. Oh, and you're pushing that back squat to 100% and you're struggling to get that last rep and your legs are shaking, that is 100%. Mm -hmm. So you, you want to come back from there. So I always say leave two, two reps in the tank. So if your goal is to do 10 reps of a bench press and you get to 10 and it feels like you could do two more reps, that is the perfect amount. Yeah. If you get to 10 and you're squeezing that last rep out and there's no way and you need help to finish off that last, last rep because you just can't get it, that's 100% and you shouldn't be pushing there. Um, it's okay to do that every now and then, but if you're doing that, say, five times a week, it's very detrimental to your health. Yeah. And you're not going to be better at sex. Um, question about the study. Do you know if the men were, like, experienced? Like, had, how long had they been training for? Or were they new to training? Or you, you aren't sure? I'm not sure. Yeah. I didn't read that far into it. Um, there's a little bit in it I didn't understand obviously, <laughs> but... Why do you say it like that, obviously? Oh, just lingo and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That just goes over my head sometimes. And it sort of goes... Also, people sort of think about this as... And I, I, I know I always say CrossFit, F45, Orange Theory, all that sort of stuff. It's They're not bad. But if that is all you're doing five days a week, you're obviously pushing to 100% five days a week so you're not getting any benefits. Mm. So as I always say, you should have a baseline of resistance training. So even if you're just doing three resistance workouts a week and then two CrossFit or two F45, that's going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, you're not pushing to the maximal effort every single session and your body has that time and effort to recover. Um, and I sort of want to talk about obviously hormones because this obviously goes in your hormones and how resistance trainings affects your hormones. We've been talking about hormones a lot over the mm. last couple of weeks because um, it is quite important. And like I said, your body is literally just a chemistry, chemistry set. And when you exercise properly, it releases all the right chemicals in all the right dosages in all the right places so your body functions better. Um, you, you remember how you're talking about how even just exercising stimulates brain health a few weeks ago there? Yeah, I think we talked about Alzheimer's and how mm, exercise right. just like triggers, I guess, the, the communication between your neurons. So if you do resistance training more often, then you have a stronger connection between your neurons. So you can think faster, focus longer, save memories for longer. I don't know, just be better, smarter mm. human. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to finish off with, like, this all goes in the, the same 
category. So it's not just, you know, testosterone's height, like everything works together. It's not just one thing that works on its own. Everything in your body has to be equal and you have to be working on everything outside that you bring into your body as well. So yes, this study just says exercise, but food, environment, mm. I suppose Work, if you want to get all like the full benefits out of doing resistance training, then you have like you have no choice but to take all of those other things into account because otherwise to some degree it's kind of a waste. Yeah. Like if you're exercising three days a week to get any kind of health benefits, but then you're eating like a diet of full of heavily processed foods and drinking, binge drinking alcohol every weekend, it's almost there's almost no point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you've got to support like the resistance training doesn't just do all the work by itself. Exactly. And you'd feel like shit during the sessions anyway, so yeah. you wouldn't be getting much out of them. All right. Anything else on that one? No, I don't think so. Good. Good. <laughs> all right. So the next one, um, this is something. So remember how your mum used to always say, don't go out in the cold, cold, you get sick like yeah. when it's cold outside. I was under the belief for a long time that that was a load of shit. Like I just didn't think that cold, like being out in the cold would affect your health or you would get sick or anything like that. I even remember telling people this, like, you know, get off it. It doesn't actually work that way. Did you think? What, yeah, of course. Going out in cold makes you sick? Yeah, always. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, wives' tales like that come from they always come from some kind of science yeah they just get like colloquialized so much that it don't go in the cold it's sick but it does they always come from some kind of science i always thought yeah it was just a wise tale so why would i bother listening to it it's not real so i go what, out in the cold all the time and i don't get sick what proved you wrong then this study so basically there's a lot of big words in this one so i'll, I'll link both of these studies in the show notes so you can read it for yourself but basically it sort of wraps up in saying that your higher respiratory system um, does get affected by changes in temperature the in the air, which makes it more susceptible to viruses. Mm. So, so like if you're going from like a heated house to the cold, to a heated house to the cold and not really trying to keep your body temperature the same yeah. by wearing extra clothes, then you compromise your immune system. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and more like change of seasons as well. Oh, like yeah. It's not too bad where we are now. We're on the south coast of New South Wales. What do you Wales. mean? If one day it's summer, the next day it's winter here. Yeah, but if you go back to Bansdale in Victoria, yeah. like, it gets a lot colder there. Yeah. So um, the changes are a little bit more dramatic. Like I remember a couple of times in Bansdale, you could see snow on the mountains in the distance where, you know, we're seven or eight hours drive from snow here. So yeah. obviously the t temperatures are a lot more extreme in some places. So those places, people are more um, susceptible to viruses and getting sick in temperature changes. But then it also, like the study doesn't talk about it, but I thought it was very interesting because Wim Hof talks about a lot of that in cold exposure. So obviously doing a lot of colder exposure and getting used to the cold and controlling your breathing in those cold situations does train that upper respiratory system. So you can do it, but it has to be controlled? 
Is that what you're saying? Like, or is it more like you have to build yourself up to being exposed to cold without getting sick? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it just brings up the whole question of, as humans, we're way too comfortable these days. Yeah. We spend too much time in comfortable, I guess you could say, houses. Mm-hmm. It's always going to, like in winter, it's always going to be heated. You're always going to have big clothing on. You can put extra layers on to stay warm, stay comfortable. So when you get out of that comfort zone, you're more at risk. Yep because your body's going through more of a change in temperatures. Um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to see, like they don't actually talk about cold exposure much or Wim Hof or anything like that in the study, but he basically taught, what he talks about does back this up, about you know exposing yourself to these extreme temperatures does. Yeah, well, I mean, if you do do it as a practice, then you will be able to go between the two temperatures without getting sick, right? Mm. Like if you practice cold exposure, then you can go from being by the fire to outside with just a jumper on and you're not going to get sick. Yeah, basically. Right? It's like something you have to build up, right? Yeah, but I guess there's always a risk of getting sick through these changes. But obviously the virus has to be there as well. So if you're out in the woods Mm. by yourself doing this cold exposure and no one else is around and there's no risk of actually viruses, where if you're in the city doing it, there might yeah. be more of a risk. Also, another way to avoid it in general is just, if you have a healthy lifestyle, then you're gonna have like the best immune system anyway. Mm. Like I remember when we did live in Bansal and the temperature would change, I would get sick at the drop of a hat. Like I had a cold for five, four or five months of the year, every year, because the, just winter and I just, my immune system was so, so bad. Whereas now I've had probably, what, three colds in the past five years that we've been together, like not much at all. And you can even tell when we talk to people that we know who have had COVID, like I guess it is circumstantial, like people that travel are more prone, like exposed to germs, but Mm. just generally people that we know that have had COVID um, have also poor immune systems or poor diets or don't do any of the healthy things so yeah um i guess it's like this last subject it all goes in the same thing you can't just do ice baths from now on and expect to be the healthiest person in the world you've got to do all the rest of it as well yeah what is up everybody real quick if you are enjoying this episode you are going to love our guides and ebooks mac has put them all in the one spot so you can easily find the guide that will help you achieve your goals there is over 15 to choose from no matter what your goal is we've got you covered losing weight building muscle shopping guides meal plan templates recipe books hormone guides everything you need to know about your menstrual cycle and for the guys i have written an ebook raising your testosterone naturally So make sure you hit the shop link below and find what guide will help you achieve your goals. So either hit the link below or go to www.insitucollective forward slash shop. That is www.in-situcollective.com forward slash shop. Okay, the last two listener questions of the year. Won't we have more next? We've got two more shows before. What? We've got Tuesday show oh, and Friday show. I don't do listener questions on Tuesday show. 
Okay, so I can, I always think that Christmas is the end of the damn year. Close enough. Okay, the the second last two questions of the year. How do I deal with my family complaining about me wanting to be healthy and exercise over the holidays? I guess this is a pretty common problem. I think I'm pretty sure we might have answered a similar question last holiday season, even on the podcast. I feel like we've been answering this question to clients for the last three weeks. That's, yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah, good question. Um, you want to go first? <laughs> I would say from personal experience, um, personal mistakes maybe, don't try and educate them about why you are doing it. Like obviously just think back to when you were living a similar lifestyle to them how did you feel when someone else said, like, just came up to you and said, alcohol is bad for your health? Do you know that? <laughs> that's going to, like, that's, that's going to make you fat. Did you know? Like, you got, you got defensive, you felt bad, you're, like, sometimes angry. And I think in the past, I did that so much. I was like, you shouldn't eat that because of this. You should try this because of this. And it just makes people feel inadequate. Like, they don't know how to adult properly, or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we had a conversation about this with a friend yesterday about um, giving up alcohol or just not drinking uh, in certain events. And there was a Christmas party you went to and you didn't drink for whatever reasons. And how he felt like he was doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So I think it sort of goes in hand in hand. So if you go to an event and you're not drinking, people are all, all, all of a sudden going to think there's something wrong for you. So they're sort of attacking you in certain ways. And then you might not realise you're attacking them back in certain ways, saying alcohol does this to your body, this, 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 this. Mm. Like why you and and then you sort of button heads. Yeah. And it sort of goes in a. And then that's when people get super defensive, and that's when people will start to complain about you yeah. being a party pooper or whatever yeah. it is that they complain about. And it, look, it's very hard, especially when you're first starting, to change who you are because you've got to change who you are to become a healthier, fitter, more active person, um, you're going to ultimately change the people you're around. And yeah. sometimes that includes your family. Um, I, like, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just if you want to be this person, you've got to, like, if you want to be a healthy, fit, active person, you've got to be around those sort of people to, you know, achieve those goals if you're around unhealthy drinking partying all those sort of you're going to start get stuck in those habits mm. and you get drawn back to that lifestyle it sort of comes down to choices you want to make and how much time you want to spend in those scenarios yeah like a lot of the time i will just not go to things because i know what it's going to be like and what it can lead into and all that sort of stuff or i'll just give myself a time limit on those events yeah like i'll go but i've got to go by this time I think it's also somewhat up to you to like build a mental strength to peer pressure and people just complaining. Like you have to just be tough about it. Like don't get offended or don't feel like you have to like change or like kneel to their way of eating or living or whatever it is. I think that also took me a long time to build because I would just end up, because I'm a people pleaser, 100%. I would just do what everyone else wanted me to do. Like someone would complain that I'm not eating this. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll have some of it. But 
I think it just takes practice as well to be like, well, this is just who I am. I like to feel good. I like to have energy. I don't like to be hungover. Like, mm. even if you say that, just don't. Um, like, for example, if someone said to me, "Why it's the holidays. Why don't you just eat this food? Who cares? Like, you're not going to get fat, which people, my family says to me all the time. <laughs> um, then I would probably say, because I don't want to feel like crap, because mm. I know how good it is for me to feel if I eat these foods instead and then just leave it at that. I don't know. How, well, like if you were faced with the same situation tomorrow, what would you say? Yeah, again, a lot of people, they might not actually understand. Like you might be further along in your health and fitness journey and you understand how foods, alcohol, lack of sleep affects you the next day or the next few days. Mm. And it stops you from achieving the goals you wanted to do in the next few days. So. You understand that, but the person that is telling you that you need to drink and all that sort of stuff, they don't understand that yet. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just by not understanding it, um, there's, they're going to be pressuring you, but you've just got to be accepting that they don't understand it and just accept them for who they are. Yeah, just like you want them to accept you for who you are yeah. right now. A good book, and I guess this could be a Christmas present for the person, for themselves, for the person who asks this question and anybody that relates to this, is Never Split the Difference. Um, it's actually a book by... Uh, Chris Voss. Chris Voss. He is an ex-FBI agent. Uh, and he was the leading FBI agent in the FBI <laughs> and the NYPD, I believe, for a while there as a negotiator. So this book just is very good. And, and yeah, it's based around sales and that sort of stuff, but you can still take some of those principles and use it to communicate a lot better. Mm. Basically, his whole thing is he just wants you to be able to communicate with people a lot better. And if you read this book, and somebody is forcing, it's basically you're trying to get the best out of every situation. Um, and it's not, an, a, a, you're not really doing it in a dishonest way. It's just the way you talk and the way the questions you ask determines, you know, what that person answers. So yeah. if you understand how to talk to that person a little bit better and when they're forcing these, you know, you've got to drink, you've got to have this shot or you've got to eat this food and you don't want to, you can use these tactics, I guess you could say, to talk around it and that actually helps the other person understand why you don't want to do it. Yeah. So that is a good book and I'd strongly recommend that book for this situation, Never Split the Difference. I'll link it in the show notes. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> How to deal with my family complaining about me wanting to be healthy. Yeah, again, it's just, it's hard and like, like you said, You've got to work on your willpower. Willpower yeah. is a muscle that you have to work. Mm -hmm. um, the more you work it, the better you are at it. I think you said that last week too. Did I? Yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, I would also rec highly recommend that uh, just like in general conversation, you recommend family members or friends to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or just any podcast that you listen to that you get stuff from because it's far more likely for people to take on board or understand or accept um, like things in relation to health and fitness if it comes from somebody else that isn't you. Yeah. So like just say, I really thought this podcast was valuable because it taught me this mm. and then give it to them and that's it. And then they can learn for themselves. And then it's, it's a lot more 
valuable if they think that they're the ones that found it. Mm. And they're, gonna, they're more likely to use it and accept it or understand it. We have, like, I've literally been doing personal training for almost 15 years now and I still can't convince my family to do certain things that <laughs> improve their health and fitness. Because it comes from you. So it's not just you, it's everybody. I just, whatever it is, we just don't listen to our family members. Yeah. So yeah, good, good tip. Okay, second question. How can I reduce brain fog? Mm. This is a good question too. Do you want to go first? Um, this time of the year, I'd say just watch what you're eating. Um, that affects you a lot. Again, Christmas parties, parties, Christmas, foods, alcohol, lack of sleep, all that sort of stuff is obviously going to tie into brain fog, especially this time of the year. Um, where do I start? Coffee, I was, was going to say the first, the very first thing that I think I would focus on if I was experiencing brain fog is to just really pay some attention to my sleep mm. because if my sleep goes that is like the very first thing that affects my ability to concentrate focus be in a good mood without a doubt like if everything else is perfectly dialed in but i fuck up my sleep ruined yeah <laughs> pretty much like last night rollo was up and down 900 times because he couldn't find a comfortable place to sleep rollo being our dog and now today i just feel like way less than optimal i feel like i have this thick brain fog and like i did everything else right like all the nighttime routines that we've spoken about all the morning routines that we've spoken about but it's just that one thing as soon as your sleep is thrown out of your regular schedule or it's interrupted a lot it can i reckon it has the biggest impact mm -hmm. so oh. over the holidays i guess just try i think we even spoke about this already just try and keep your normal sleep routine as consistent as you possibly can. And if it isn't going to be consistent and you know there's going to be a lot of late nights, then just shift your whole routine. So if you normally go to bed at nine and get up at six, but you know the holidays make that hard, then shift it to 10 and seven. Like, mm. I don't know. I feel what? like a lot of people get in that bad routine, like I'm on holidays, so I'll stay up and watch a movie. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're up and then they're still getting up at the same time and not getting as much sleep or their sleep routine changes. And it just, that does affect you. I was going to say that exact same thing. Keep your routine. If you get up and work out in the morning, make sure you keep working out in the morning. Um, one thing I will say is don't go to stimulants like caffeine. Yeah. Um, that's probably the worst thing you can do. When you've got brain fog, especially in the afternoon, people just caffeine, that'll fix it. And it might fix it for a little bit, but it makes it, it's going to make a whole things a whole lot worse. No caffeine in the afternoons. No caffeine past lunchtime. I think especially if you have... So you know how you wake up in the morning and you feel like ick so that you want a coffee more than ever? That is the time. That is the, like the most important time for you to delay your coffee mm. because there's something going on with your hormones and they haven't quite found their rhythm yet so they're taking longer than normal to peak to make you feel alert so then if you have coffee then you just blocked that whole cortisol cortisol's ability to peak so if you can delay your coffee for longer and also having coffee after lunch i think like you might feel good for what 30 minutes yeah an hour so you can go back for another one yeah and then it just ruined but then it ruins your sleep that night and mm. the next morning and it's just like a that's a, a domino effect. I'd say 
like make again i pretty much said it but make sure you're eating properly like throughout the day again summer holidays or winter wherever you are around the world i guess you could say a lot of people will you know have a quick lunch and then go out for the day and a quick breakfast and then skip lunch because they're out for the day and that sort of stuff if you're starting to get brain fog it could be the fact that you're not eating enough food for your brain to function yeah so make sure you're still getting enough food in like it is holidays and everybody's relaxed and all that sort of stuff but still think about your health and wellness like if you know you're going to be out doing activities for the next few days plan ahead and make sure you've got food that's easy, easy to prep or easy to eat or mm. already prepared so you can just eat food and have enough food to function properly yeah i saw a reel this is kind of unrelated but you just said something that triggered this in my brain i saw a reel the other day by gary v and it was like if you're 40 years old the way that modern medicine is going, it's likely that you are only a quarter of the way through your life, mm. right? And then that just put things in perspective for me because I'm nearly 26 now and I was like, oh my God, there's so much stuff I want to do. And then Gary Vee said that and I was like, oh damn, I'm only like less than that, less than a quarter of the way through my life. But it just reminded me like in the scheme of things, the holidays, like having no willpower or self-control or whatever over the holidays like come on mm. you know what i mean like it's such it's it's so irrelevant like you're not going to remember if you got the croissant and then the pizza and then whatever else in five years time because like i don't know wouldn't you prefer to just have more willpower and live for as long as you possibly can than to have five minutes of pleasure i don't mm. know it's just how I feel like I see things and it's taken me a long time to get there. Don't worry. I was almost going to start this off with what grinds my gears. Remember how we started oh, that? Oh, we, we did it for one episode. <laughs> I was almost going to start this episode off. So detoxing come up with a client during the week. Uh, so a little bit, of, I know we pretty much answered the question. We'll just sort of I'll try and finish off with what grinds my gears. It sort of does tie into this whole thing as well. Um, but... It was a few weeks ago we spoke about a client who had given up uh, Diet Coke and she'd still given it up and didn't crave it. She actually actually kicked it quite well. Um, a few good examples there that I won't go into, but she's, yeah, basically given up. But then she's going to America for two weeks for a holiday and obviously you're on holidays, different country. It's hard at, like, you're going to be, you're going to give in to your willpower cravings. a little bit well, cravings. yeah the environment over there compared to the environment that she has created for herself at home is two yeah. completely different things and um she was talking to her mum and saying how she's gonna you know do her best to do it and the mum's like oh don't worry just drink what you want and detox when you get back and i was just like detoxing is the worst word ever invented mm. in the health and fitness industry if you think detoxing is a thing and it actually works and or you've been sold some sort of detoxing tea remedy diets workout i don't know you've been fooled because detoxing is the stupidest thing i have ever heard you can't detox your body once you once you consume something it's being used like that like your your cells it's already a part of your cells it's mm. already a part of your brain everything in your body like if you if you consume like coke for two weeks and then you detox for three days, <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> like 
So sometimes the cells in your body take up to six months to 12 months to turn around. Yeah, so to get rid of, say you have the coke. Yeah. And then six to 12 months later, it's there's still part of that, like the chemicals that your body absorbed from the coke being used yep. in your body. And that's with everything that you eat and drink. It's not just bad, like it's good foods, bad foods. And that's why we like, you gotta be consistent with your good food because the more consistent you are, the longer time it's gonna be in your body yeah, doing good things. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because it really does grind my gears how people will even just have a bender of a weekend, like Friday, Saturday, going out drinking during the day, eating lunch, and then like, oh, fuck, I've got a detox Monday. Doing that does absolutely nothing, like nothing. Like, you're just starving yourself. Yeah, it's for better no for good you to reason. just go back to eating meat and vegetables like you were before. Yeah, so um, I just, you can't just do what you want and then detox. I think a lot of people rely on that way too much because mm. they think it's real and it's an actual thing and it, you can detox your body. It's not an actual thing. So don't give you that yourself that excuse of being able to do what you want because you know you can detox. Yeah. Um, I just feel like that goes into this whole topic of um, controlling yourself and consistency. Yeah, I just, yeah. Good question. <laughs> Good question. And that's what grind my gears over the last week. Don't detox. It's not a real thing. Again, I'll, I'll leave it there. All right, that'll do. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday after Christmas. I'll talk to you. And well, Mac will talk to you. I'll talk to you next Friday <laughs> before New Year's. Yeah. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody, and have a good weekend. Bye.